You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hey, it's Michelle. I'm so glad y'all could join us today. I'm so excited about today's episode. The one thing that I get emails about over and over and over are questions about dating and relationships. This is definitely a tangled web for anybody, but certainly being a single mom and I know for me personally, having been through a divorce and never really having dated, it's a confusing world out there. My personal story, basically what happened was I met my ex-husband in high school. So dating was not a thing for me. I just never had that much of an experience. And so now going through it in this season of my life where I'm in my late 30s and I have three kids, it's a really confusing process. And I think you're really going to love our guest today. Jen Bro has an incredible story of heartbreak and healing and hope that I think you're just going to love. When you hear her story, I know that you're just going to be so encouraged because when I look at Jen and her story, it seems like something that's impossible odds. And to hear what God has done in her life just shows me that we serve a really awesome, really big God who can do all kinds of things with any kind of situation. When you listen to Jen's story, you're going to also hear some practical advice and tips and some things that you might want to look at when it comes to dating for your own life. Now, the approach I've always taken with Agape Moms and the Christian Single Moms podcast is that some of us may not feel ever again called to be in a committed marriage type relationship or don't feel that dating is appropriate. And that is certainly understandable. Others may feel that that is something that God is calling them to. And there does exist a little bit of controversy when it comes to different denominations and interpretations of the Bible as to whether or not a specific woman should go down that path. And here on the podcast and on Agape Moms, that's a conversation that we stay out of. That is a conversation that each woman has to embark on with the Lord individually. However, For those who do feel that they are called into that season again, I would like for this to be a place where that conversation can happen and where we can talk about doing it well and doing it in a way that's honoring to what God has for us in our lives. So all that being said, I hope that no matter where you're at in that journey, that you'll get something really powerful out of the interview I have with Jen today. Before we launch in, I'd like to make sure that I mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. And certainly when it comes to issues of dealing with breakups and divorce and that sort of thing, you might start to find that there are some, maybe some spots that are kind of needing some filling in your life and not knowing exactly how to go about that. And Faithful Counseling has Christian counselors available on your schedule so that you don't actually have to drop everything and go into a counselor's office, that you can receive solid biblical counseling in the comfort of your own home. And if you go on right now, if you go to getfaithful.com slash single mom, you'll actually get 10% off of your first month. So make sure you check out Faithful Counseling. Okay, are you all ready? I'm so excited to have Jen on. Jen Debro heads up a ministry called The 1M Project, and her vision is to reach 1 million people for Jesus by the time she turns 50. Jen has been a single mom, and so she knows just what it is to go through various seasons of life not really sure what you're doing and doing it in front of your kids. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview with Jen DeBro. Well, Jen, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. And one of the reasons, Jen, that I'm so excited about it is I get tons and tons and tons of emails about relationship advice and just 
women looking for hope when it comes to the next chapter of their lives after going through significant breakups and divorces and things like that. And I love how you've kind of mentored me in that process in giving me hope just through your own life and your own story. And I wanted to know if you would just share a little bit of your testimony. You have a lot of ups and downs in it that I think a lot of us can relate to. And so I just wondered if you'd tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Well, that's encouraging to know that uh, any piece of my story has brought um, hope and encouragement to you. So that's awesome. And I give God all the glory for that. I have had a really hard journey and I'm finding that the best thing I can do is just really embrace my story. And as messy as it's been, um, it's, it's a gift that God has given me to be able to walk this journey with him. And so I guess my story kind of starts um, when I was around 18 years old. I was a pastor's daughter, um, just beginning to kind of venture out and uh, began dating uh, another pastor's son. And we both were kind of rebelling in, in that season of our life and we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. And although we both probably knew that, um, he was going through a hard season after his parents had divorced. And so I was, I don't know, maybe playing the role of like, just trying to be his friend and, and walk with him through that hard season. But we were, we were smoking pot and just, uh, really we were living together and just kind of just on a a journey that was destructive. And after about five months of dating, I found myself pregnant. And so I called my mom and my dad and shared the news with them. And we kind of decided we were going to get married. And rather than just kind of living with our pregnancy and sitting with that news and and really discerning maybe what I was supposed to do, um, it felt like the best thing to do was get married. And so I was only 18 years old. And so we walked into marriage within a couple of months and um, started living as husband and wife at um, 18 and welcomed our son into the world when I was 19 and tried to figure out how to be a wife and a mom and a homemaker and all of those things and financially figure out how to support ourselves. And really, we weren't equipped to do any of that. And it set us up for a lot of hard. So we were married for 10 years. Um, We had two more sons together. And once I became pregnant, I really just had a desire to be a godly mother like my mom had displayed for me. I walked away from the drugs and and the friends that would, you know, push me to to be in that scene. And I I started making new friends and, and having a desire to share my faith and read the word and grow. And I just really, you know, I feel like I'm, I matured and in my faith and it became my own and it wasn't my parents, you know, being passed on to me, but it, it was my own faith. But there was kind of a fork in the road happening uh, for me and my husband with that choice in my life to kind of really pursue the Lord. And, and the, it seemed the closer I became with the Lord, the further um, things were between my husband and I. And we had a lot of ups and downs. I, I say we were probably separated more than we were living together in our 10-year marriage, and there was a lot of heart in it. And so at the age of 29, um, I began to walk through my first divorce. That was really hard because I finally, I we had three sons. I was We had a 10-year-old and a 
a set of twin boys who are seven, and I God had blessed me with a really good job, and so um, I stayed in the home after my husband left and uh, chose to figure out how to be a single mom, and um, I was a mess. I I was emotionally a mess. I spiritually was clinging to the Lord, but I still, you know, just was a mess. And um, I didn't take time to really process what was going on in my life. I was in crisis moment and trying to figure out how to put the pieces back together and how to become a family again somehow, some way. And and I refused to get the help really from my parents. I wanted to prove that I could do it. I wanted to be independent. And uh, and so that that kind of caused me to um, want to move a little faster than what probably I needed to. And I got swept up in a new relationship before a year was up with my marriage that was ending. And, and all the signs, you know, seemed good. Like I was, you know, dating a man who was um, on staff at a church and who had graduated from Bible college and was raised in a Christian home, um, had never been married and, and really uh, just was this godly leader for me and the boys. And it, it just looked right. I, I don't think I was being honest with myself during that time, though, that there were things that were not lining up spiritually with, um, you know, how dating should look, um, starting with the fact that, you know, I, I wasn't fully divorced yet. I hadn't I hadn't had my final paperwork signed or anything. And um, we, you know, we weren't really doing things according to um, the way that the Lord would have us to do things in a dating relationship. And so there were things that I, if I were honest with myself, I knew I was already kind of going down in going down this road in a way that wasn't necessarily the way that God would intend for me to, but I was, I wanted to, I wanted to hurry up and I wanted to rebuild my life. And so um, once my divorce went through. We got engaged, and within a few months, um, we chose to get married. It was it was good in the sense that we it looked good on paper. We we were a blended family. We were very involved in our church. In fact, he was a worship pastor, and I helped work with the women's ministry. And yeah, we tried to really present that things were wonderful. And and I guess in my mind, I thought they were, but I don't know that I was living in authentically and honestly with myself, with what was real. And so I didn't know that then, though. We had two sons together. Our our marriage had some ups and downs. A turning point for us was in 2015, my husband got let go from his position at the church that we had been a part of for about nine years, uh, one that we had helped start um, in our living room, really, and uh, one that had all of our best friends attached to it. So uh, when he got let go, it really affected us greatly, but even more so him as a man. And so we we found ourselves, you know, kind of trying to figure out what was next. You know, we were humiliated, just trying to figure out what God had for us in, in that my husband got a new job at a much larger church uh, in a nearby city. And it seemed as though God was giving us an upgrade, if you will. I mean, it was a, a, a really big church, a new opportunity. And I thought it was redemption and I thought it was beautiful. And I thought that he was excited about the opportunity. And But I think there was so much hurt in his heart. And I, I don't know that 
I understood how it really was affecting him and the severity of the damage that had been done. And we started having marital problems, which wasn't uncommon, but this time I could tell it was much more severe than what we had experienced in the past. And there was something that I couldn't quite understand. And there were just pieces that weren't making sense. And although we were getting counseling and I was praying and trying to ask the Lord to just heal us and and help us to figure out how to have a healthy marriage. And in the summer of 2016, um, I discovered that my husband was having an affair. The affair had been going on for so long that by that point, there he was. His heart was gone. We lost that position, and it wasn't much longer before um, a divorce was in process. There wasn't any desire for reconciliation, and so little by little, I kind of lost everything. I was living in the house um, at that point. You know, I had four boys still at home, one off to college. Just began to pack things up and. Uh, move in with my parents who had a condo and we occupied their empty rooms. And I stayed mostly um, with the little boys down in the basement. Yeah, we we ended up staying there for two years. And that's where God just began to do a real work in my heart and really had my full attention um, and was helping me uh, figure out how I got to a place where at 39 now, I was going through my second divorce. Now, Jen, when your second marriage ended, you kind of alluded to how you, what the condition of your heart was like in at the end of your first marriage and how that led you into the second. How do you feel that after now this second divorce, things changed in your heart that affected the way you were approaching perhaps getting into another relationship or were you even considering that at that point? Yeah, no, I I think after going through the second divorce, my heart was so broken and not not in the sense that just because of the divorce and all that but also just like like i didn't want to do anything that wasn't god's will for my life anymore like i recognized that i had brought some of this on myself and so there was a healthy fear of realizing that when we try to get ahead of the lord or deny that maybe we are doing it the wrong way, that now I realized that some of that was my own doing. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't continue to put myself in a position that would cause further destruction to my heart because it hurts so much to lose love and to lose hope for my future. So my heart was in a place of complete surrender. And I don't know if it was more forced by God or choice on my own um, to, to be willing to really walk into full surrender. I think it was a, probably a combination of both. But my heart was, um, I, I remember going to my counselor and saying, like, I, I don't think that the heart that I have is good anymore. Like, I think I need God to give me a whole, a brand new heart because the heart that I currently have is, is not good. It's not going to be good for somebody else or for my future. So, you know, and my counselor was like, no, your, your heart is so beautiful. And it's exactly the heart that God wants you to have for your future. And you need the heart, your heart, the, one of the beauty about you is the heart that you have. And so that was, um, 
good for me to hear because I thought my heart was, you know, just so when I thought of my heart, I thought of it being just completely destroyed or, you know, ugly, but it wasn't, it was, it was part of who I was and it was a beautiful part of who I was. To me, that is so awesome when you have those people who just say those just right things when you're in that, in that mindset of just feeling down on yourself. How did you, how did you feel about yourself? And did you have to go through a period of, of self-acceptance or, you know, can you describe that? Because I know for me, for example, and I know for a lot of women there, when you do recognize that what your role is in a relationship coming apart, there can be a lot of shame or guilt or even self-rejection um, that comes along with that. It was hard for me to finally look at my life and be honest with myself at what was real. And it was hard to admit that my life wasn't as good or pretty as I was trying to paint it to be. And, um, and I think even going through some marriage counseling before the divorce, um, and or before our divorce started, um, as the marriage was falling apart, I remember just, he was living in reality that it was not good. And I was still being like, Oh, no, you know, we are great. And he's just going through a hard time, you know, like, trying to justify that we were going to be fine and that everything was okay and still not wanting to admit that our marriage wasn't as pretty as I wanted to see it as. And so, um, I, I mean, once I started to be honest with myself about what was real in my life, then I was able to be able to be honest with myself about my own shortcomings and how I got to where I was. And so it was actually a gift because being um, untrue to myself about uh, what I wanted for my life or about what I was willing to be um, treated like or any of that. I mean, just being honest uh, with who I was and what I had been through was such an opportunity for me to finally discover my self-worth and what real love was supposed to look like. And had I not been open to being honest with myself about what wasn't real in my life, then I don't think I would have ever discovered the, that there was something real to look for. That's such a humbling experience too, because it is really easy when you've been through bad treatment or betrayal, those sorts of things to say, okay, well, this person did this and that was, that was it. That's why this relationship fell apart. And I know for me personally, I have noticed just in the course of my life and all sorts of relationships, why they have failed from my side of it, but only after kind of getting over that, well, they did this, but I, guess, I suppose no matter how it comes about, if you give yourself a little bit of space to kind of grieve that, then you can pick the pieces back up and say, all right, but what did I do? What do I keep doing? And how can I just learn from it and move on? And I think that's a big part of not allowing that shame to like settle in over you and create this cloud over your experience of life. Because I think from where you're sitting, it'd be very easy for a person to say, well, I guess maybe I'm just not good at this relationship thing, or maybe my picker is off, or maybe there's no good guys out there, you know, or that sort of thing. I'd like to take a quick break to tell you about a new free resource that's available at agapemoms.com. It is called The Seven Loneliness Traps. Now, I know many of us, especially if we are in this kind of dating process, 
or breakup process find ourselves feeling really lonely and Jen talks about it a little bit too. And this free guide you can download right now will help you to understand what are the seven common mindsets, the seven common traps that we fall into that keep us feeling lonely and gives you some hints on how to overcome them. So head over right now to agapemoms.com and download the free guide today. So I wanted to know if you could talk about how, you know, this healing process now then affected the rest of your story and your approach towards dating and life after the second divorce. I think because it was a second divorce and I was so young, um, I mean, relatively young, 39, I knew that I had time to just slow down. And I'm so grateful my parents were able to be that for me. And so I worked part-time for a nonprofit during that season. And um, my dad was like, you are not going to work full-time. You're going to be a mom. Your kids have been through trauma. My twin boys are going into their senior year at high school. My uh, little ones, I had a three-year-old and a six-year-old, you know, who were very, very needy yet still at home emotionally, especially there was so much instability happening um, between their father and I. And so I knew that it was just a season to just stop, you know, trying to strive to figure out how to, you know, put that next piece together. It was just, I couldn't, you know, and, and it was okay to just slow down and listen and wait. And, um, it was very natural for me to do that. I didn't, I wasn't, it, it was not forceful. Like I, I couldn't, I mean, I was sick almost that whole first winter. I kept getting sick because emotionally and mentally I was just so tired and, you know, I was still going through the divorce process. And I, I think like just that whole concept of like, I wasn't even like dating was not even on the radar for me. It wasn't even, I think maybe subconsciously, I even told myself, I don't think I'll ever date again. I, I know I, <laughs> I continuously told that to my mother, we would go for walks together. And um, I would just say, I just, I don't, I don't see it, mom. I'm just, I'm really think I'm, I'm, I'll be okay just to be a single mom for the rest of my life. And I just don't think, you know, and I, I really grieved the loss of my, my second marriage. I, I, in my mind, you know, I'm a covenant keeper. I tried to do it in a graceful way. I tried to talk honoringly about him during the process. I wore my wedding ring during the process. I didn't just throw in the towel, even though the divorce was in motion. I, I, I tried to be faithful as you know, best I could. And so I think just taking that quiet season of, of rest, I mean, where I was just getting counseling every week, sometimes a couple times a week. Right away, my counselor diagnosed me as having PTSD. I didn't see it coming. I read a couple of good books, True Love Dates. That one was beautiful for me because it did begin to give me hope that if I was going to date again someday, that there was a way to do it. And then there was um, a book called Night in Shining Armor. Um, and that one was about kind of that... in getting yourself prepared for the dating and, and just working on you and your inward beauty. And so um, I was on a journey with God where he, I just wanted him to show me who I was. I recognized that my, the way I went about dating was affecting the outcome of, of my marriages. And so if I were even willing to consider dating again, I wanted to set myself up for success and really get advice and counsel on how to um, be successful in being pure 
as an adult single mom who is willing to take that step into dating again. And I didn't want to walk down that path unless I felt overly confident that I was going to be obedient um, the next time around in my dating experience. That's such an interesting perspective shift because I think a lot of times, especially after so much heartbreak, we're just looking to feel good and have fun and the intentionality and the level of dedication to doing it right by God and your relationship with him and allowing him to more steer the outcome and the things that you would experience in it is, it's a perspective shift that I think is difficult sometimes to even get to, and then much less to uphold, especially as you're talking about purity and stuff like that, as you're walking through it, because there are so many emotions and, you know, hormones and all this stuff that get going in that dating process. Can you talk a little bit about then, you know, so from here on out, how that dating process then played out with this now in mind? I I really did not have the desire to feel good or to have fun at all. <laughs> um, I had, you know, I, I'd been down that road and it was destructive. So it wasn't about how I felt any longer. It was so about like, what did the Lord want? Because I knew the Lord wanted to show me love and I knew I was worthy of love. And so feeling good is is yes, that can, you know, be a, a benefit of being loved, but um being loved is is something that, you know, not everybody knows how to to be. You know, like I had never known how to be loved. I've I or and I knew I had a lot of love to offer somebody, but if I was going to receive the love that God had for me to receive through somebody, first I was gonna have to receive his love for me unconditionally and um in in all of those broken places in my heart and that's the season he had me in and he was I was letting him in and I was being honest with myself and I was letting him show me where I was um where I had blinders and where I had wounds that uh, he still needed to heal in me so that I could allow somebody to really love me so in dating, I, I guess uh, one of the terms that I heard or quotes I heard is healthy people attract healthy people. And I was on a, on a journey of trying to become healthy. So God was going to have to show me and it was brand new, but it, he, he led me to it in scripture. The first command and greatest command is to love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind strength and to love others as much as you love yourself. And I hadn't loved myself, so I couldn't love others. And um, I wasn't really loving God with my mind, my whole mind, soul, and strength. Um, it wasn't real. And so this first step was to love myself so that I could love others and I could love God with all of who I am. I have had actually, I'm totally resonating with all of the things that you're saying. I've had such a similar experience myself to understand that I, with my relationship with God, there was so much performance that. I was not able to just sit and receive what he had for me. And I recognize in choices that I've made with relationships, how much, although I liked myself and loved myself and grew into that, how little I still focused on the fact though of receiving that love from God and 
realizing that the love I have for myself only can come from a place of knowing who he is, who he made me to be in relationship with him. And that does not always require me going out, giving, performing, doing. It is oftentimes sitting in that and understanding your value to your father above and beyond anything you could ever do. And so once I finally started connecting with that thought, I mean, Mm -hmm. all sorts of things change. Your standards go up and your experiences of life get better and you start to build this Mm -hmm. new life that's something that you're proud of because it's between you and God. And now I look at life as sort of like, me and God have this great thing going on. Who, mm-hmm. if if the Lord has for me to be in a relationship in the future, who would he put in there that's going to want to participate, want to be invited into this space between me and God, not me fit my life into someone else's mm-hmm. box and that yeah. sort of thing, which is where the way I've approached things in the past is, okay, well, let me see your life and how can I fit into your life <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. rather than looking at... Mm-hmm this is a beautiful, peaceful place between me and God. And I don't want anybody to come mess that up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not just going to give that away to anybody. So Jen, can you catch us up now to current, current day in your story? So I think where you left us off in this healing journey after your second divorce, you said that you were working at a nonprofit and you were living with your parents. Is that right? Yep. I was living with my parents. I was working in a nonprofit and um, I began to just pray uh, daily, God, just give me a radical love that looks like you, that costs me greatly and moves me to action. In that, God began to put a, a burden in my heart to, I started telling people my new dream is to reach a million people for Jesus by the time I turn 50. That's what I want to do with my life. You know, I don't need a man. I don't need a house. You know, I can, I can live with my parents. I don't even care. You know, I just want to, I just want to have Jesus be my top priority for the rest of my life. And that became kind of something I started to pursue. Um, We coined it the 1M project and I started hosting worship events and thought I'd work on writing a book and believed God was going to call me to start a nonprofit with that um, idea and vision. But in my journal, I began to say, God, I'm starting to get lonely. You know, I, I, I really, is there a good godly man out there? You know, those types of things. But I wouldn't, you know, I had, I'm sure I had just like such a, a huge wall up that was like, you know, with darts coming out of it. Like if anybody was to approach me, that's probably the, what I was projecting to them. <laughs> Don't come near this woman. She's a mess, you know, like, and, um, so I was at work one day and I went into the lunchroom and there was a new volunteer behind the counter. Um, at we, I work for a homeless shelter. He was in the kitchen helping serve some of the homeless and our, the staff would sit and eat in the lunchroom as well. And so I saw him and, you know, he sat at my table a couple of days in a row. We, we had small conversation found out we had some mutual friends, learned we had children the same age. He had two girls. Of course, I have five boys. So um, that was um, really intriguing to me to, to hear that he had two little girls the exact same ages as my two youngest sons. And, and I could tell he was interested in me. And so that was a little scary. But then like, I don't know, uh, a few more lunch hours later, one day I was walking back to my office and he came to my door and just flat out just asked me if I would be willing to go out with him and kind of really just push 
pushed it like, like, like today, like soon, you know? Um, and I had said, I actually, I, let me, I told him I had to ask my mom. <laughs> I said, I need to ask my mom because I, oh, a, a big piece that I think is important for your listeners to know is that placing accountability around you as you begin, if you're willing to step out and date again and having those voices that you're going to be completely honest with about your dating relationship. Um, and my mom was one of those people. I knew she would be honest with me if I started dating somebody that she felt wasn't a good fit for me or my future. So I, that was just ingrained inside of me, her, my counselor, a couple of my Christian girlfriends. So I said, I have to ask my mom. And here I was like 40 years old, you know, or 41. And so, um, he, he, he was like, okay, you know, and so I, I gave him my number though. And he texted me just a few hours later and said, Hey, did you ask your mom? And, uh, so I had to quick text my mom while she was at work and say, ma, I got this guy asking me out for coffee. What do I do? You know, she said, go, you know, and I did, we went out for coffee that night. And I, I'm, I basically told them like, all I want to do is travel the world and tell people about Jesus. And I don't ever want to get married again. That's pretty much how I feel like I, you know, what I've tried to tell them. And, um, he thought it was amazing and, you know, just was like, how can I go out for coffee with you again? You're on fire for Jesus is just so electric, you know? And so then I was like, oh boy, because I'm an all in girl. And, um, so yeah, a couple more dates in and man, he had my heart and, um, I knew I had his, so, and I knew it was a gift and I knew it was a collision from the Lord and everybody that was in that accountability circle a hundred percent green light the entire time and to the point where I kept having to ask them are you sure are you sure you don't see any red (laughs) and they just would laugh and say no he's gonna he's gonna love you and take care of you for the rest of your life and you don't have to worry about anything and I believed them and so we continued to date and we did it the right way um you know we I I told him from the beginning, I, you know, don't want to have sex before I get married. I want to be, I want to, you know, I want to tell people about Jesus. I mean, I was very honest with him with my desire and just really kind of tried to get counsel from my counselor with it. And we were able to be faithful to that. And, you know, he worked on getting us a home that would be one that we could build a family with. And, um, one that would be both of our desires. And so once he secured the home, he asked me to marry him and we got married six weeks later and we're about to celebrate our two year anniversary here in a couple of weeks. That's so awesome. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I love, I love how your story, you know, when we look at the, just the position of your heart and your own life and what you wanted for yourself, that when you look at when you were so young, starting out that there was some, maybe, I know you said that there was rebellion, but also maybe some uh, flexibility in the boundaries and things like that. And to seeing how over time your heart became so soft to wanting what God had for you, that you were not willing to settle for anything less. And even if that meant that it was not going to be for you to be in a committed marriage type relationship again that you were surrendered to that to the extent that it gave you such stringent boundaries that this particular man had to know what he wanted in order to pursue the relationship with you correctly because 
those kinds of boundaries are designed to keep you inaccessible to the wrong matches, but are designed to be very attractive to a person that shares those same values and beliefs. And I think boundaries is a thing that a lot of us, especially after being left or hurt or making mistakes in the past, and we just feel bad about ourselves, we feel bad about relationships and that sort of thing, that we're sort of willing to bend on a lot of those things because we just want to feel connected again and we're willing to sacrifice a lot. And I love how your position as it went over time was like, basically, I could be fine without you. That's fine. (laughs) I have to say, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, oh, well, here's, this is the boundary. And so just, if you're going to date me, this is how it's going to be. You know, I mean, as you begin to date somebody, I mean, like I said, within a couple of dates, I couldn't sleep at night because I was like, oh my goodness, I had butterflies. I felt so excited about what God could be up to, you know? Um, so with that comes the emotion and the desire to give your heart and your soul, all of you to somebody. And so it's all natural. And I think that was the piece where the enemy would tell me, well, you're probably going to marry him anyway. So let's just do this, you know, or, well, you've already given, you've already kissed him. So you might as well do, you know, this. And, and so it was like learning that, nope, I had a boundary that I set. That doesn't mean, you know, cause that's, that's the way the enemy works. He'll try to tell you, well, you already messed up. So you might as well just keep doing this or you already did this. So you might as well. And just learning that, you know, you can, you can tell the enemy, no, like you're, you're not going to lie to me and deceive me into doing something um, that is before uh, the right time in order. So I guess I just want to offer to women that begin to date and start having feelings and start, you know, pursuing a relationship and maybe even become physical to know that there is a boundary you can set that you can stay true to even if other things, you know, are maybe more than what you expected yourself to allow yourself to to do. There has to be a hardcore val- boundary and value there that you are not willing to compromise with. Well, and I think as I've done more research and just kind of clumsily walked through this season of my life myself, I understand that that emotional connection, when you shortcut it with hormones and physical interactions, that you're not setting your future relationship up for the best level of success. And so, like you said, that when you have the ability to have that boundary, to to delay that gratification and to put those things off, that you just have such a clearer picture of who you are, who this person is what God is doing in it, or is your desire and your flesh kind of taking over and that kind of stuff. And while a lot of people will say like you did, well, I've already been married or I already have kids or that's really antiquated, you know, and that kind of stuff that it's something that in the long run, if this is meant to be the relationship for you, that will come in time rather than putting it, the cart before the horse basically. And struggling to become emotionally connected to somebody and spiritually connected with somebody because things are kind of being short-circuited. Yeah. And the I was so in hot pursuit of what it would feel like to have a foundation in marriage with somebody where we did it right, because I had never experienced that before. And so to be able to have that peace now of like, yeah, the enemy can't come and tell me, well, you screwed things up right from the get go, or 
you know, you know, you need to live in shame or guilt because um, you you got ahead of us, uh, ahead of God, or you know, um, just the the peace that comes in the foundation that's been established within a marriage that waits um, to do things in that order is something. It's the gift that's worth waiting for, and it was the gift that I never waited for before. Do you know what I mean? So like now, from the other side of it, to be able to have to have what I always cherished and or always wished I had before I was in pursuit of that because that was what was off in my past. And I knew that there was a gift to be, to behold, that was going to last a lifetime if I would wait for it. And it was, it's, it's, it's just such a freeing experience on this side of marriage. I love what you just said. It's a gift to behold if you will just wait for it. And I think I know sometimes in my whole life, I have a habit of getting ahead of God and getting ahead of his plans and trying to make some stuff happen. And my life is full of striving if I look at my past and not just in relationships, just my life in general. And I know that many times we can get into a scarcity mindset where it's like, well, this is what I have right now. So what do I do with it? And instead of looking at things from an abundance perspective of like, there's this whole big, beautiful life that awaits me out here. What if this is not the place I'm meant to stop? Or what if I just waited a few more, you know, minutes on this and I would be so much more clear about what the right direction was instead of acting out of impulse or fear or foolishness, I suppose. So I know that you and I have talked though previously about the the kind of pacing of the relationship between you and your husband. You pointed out the fact that there was some help in and some additional healing that happened in and amidst this dating process. I think a lot of times we have the perspective that like, oh my gosh, like I'm such a mess. Nobody's going to want to hang out with me or date me. Nobody's when they see my baggage, they're not going to yeah, have to hide it because there's no way he's going to understand and all that kind of stuff. And I want to know if you would touch on a little bit of that healing process that happened in this dating interaction between your, you and your husband, because I have noticed that when you are intentionally dating and are in spending time with a person who really does have your best interest in mind, that these messy things are going to come up and it's actually an opportunity for growth, even if the relationship doesn't continue, but an opportunity for growth and healing in the dating process itself. The more you can see yourself as always on a healing journey after any time you experience pain or trauma, you don't just, it's not just like a one-time fix healing. Oh, now I'm, now I'm married and, or remarried and life is perfect and I'm whole now. Um, so yeah, even in the dating phase, once I opened that door to having my heart be exposed, I knew that there was going to be new levels of healing for me. And he knew that for himself as well. And so a lot of times, you know, just in that open dialogue of saying, oh, this is a trigger. This is something that's, this isn't, this isn't you. This is what I used to hear. or This is what I used to feel. Um, and it's similar or it's familiar. And so that's what this is. And we've just had to give each other a lot of grace to, to sift through and process what we're feeling. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with what's going on in the moment. And so we've learned that, you know, it's, it's become more and more obvious all the time. It's almost like we, it's like, it's always like, oh yeah, this is definitely something else here. And, 
you know, seasons are familiar sometimes. And, and so although we're remarried and we're a couple years in there, and there has been a lot of healing that just a new relationship has been able to offer to our hearts, uh, it's going to be a lifetime of healing. I believe God has sent him to me to be part of that healing process. And I believe the same for me to him. And I think in relationship now, another piece that really has been something I'm so intentional with is like my ultimate desire for my relationship with the man that God has sent me and the gift that he is to me is to um, honor his heart and to be good to his heart. And so I do daily strive to be that for him, to be very careful with the words that I speak over him and the way I treat him. And it's, it's, it's easy. It really is. It's not hard to do because um, I don't know if I've changed or if, if he's just that amazing <laughs> or what it is, but um, I want to be good to him. I don't want to fight with anybody. I don't want to live a life of, of unrest and angry with anybody. So um, it's, it's just, I'm just a, a much more subdued person. And um, the gift that I also can offer is that, you know, Travis, my husband's name is Travis. He's on his own journey with the Lord and as am I. And so I'm not here to correct him. I'm not here to be his Holy Spirit. I'm not here to point out where he's failing. Like that is not my job. I'm his cheerleader. I'm his friend. I'm his companion. I'm his helpmate. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my hat for him is always a a kind hat, you know? So, and that's freeing because, you know, Travis will stand before the Lord on his own as will I. And, um, and so there's no part that I need to play in that equation between he and God other than just to love him. (laughs) I love that perspective. That is something I have realized two things from what you just said. So the first one is the, the value of peace in all of my relationships. So when it comes to the things that I stepped through and getting out of my marriage, God showed me so much where my peace was such a premium that it affected the way that I learned to communicate and to take emotions out of conflicts and even ask those questions. So like you're saying, when you're triggered to say, is this this person that's doing something that's hurtful to me? Or am I reacting out of a fear or out of a previous experience that's somewhat related to this experience, but it's not actually that this person is against me or hurting me and to sit for a minute and slow down so that I can communicate effectively, even to say, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. And that if a person can't receive that I'm struggling, that person is probably not got a communication style. that's going to match with me (laughs) or that we're just not in the same place. So like what you're talking about, the second thing, you know, that you're on a journey with God and your husband is on a journey with God. And as two separate Christ followers, you are not each sort of the police officers for each person's relationship with God. And I know that that's something that contributes to a lot of relationship failures is I'm trying to actually change you. And if we're in a relationship with somebody who really has a dedication to the Lord and a, a accountability and a commitment to his relationship with God, we don't need to do anything to step in the middle of that other than to say, I'm a teammate, I'm for you, I support you. You may not notice, you know, that maybe you're off in this direction or that direction, but that things are delivered out of love and support, not out of you make me uncomfortable, so I need you to change. 
or this is the way my relationship with God looks. So yours needs to look the same way and giving people the latitude to do that, whether it's a marriage relationship, a dating relationship, or even just family and friends gives so much more freedom for people to explore things and vulnerabilities and weaknesses and for there to be all kinds of healing rather than there to be this experience where I feel shamed, I feel guilted, I feel micromanaged. And so now I'm going to run. You have given us so much in this, Jen. I feel so encouraged by the way that you have really intentionally conceptualized in your life, sort of, these are the things that worked out well. These are the things that did not work. How can I change them? How can I reorient my life to be what God wants it to be? And that there's such an abundance that has continued to flow out of that, not just in your family life and your marriage, but also in your ministry. And I wanted to know, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, if you would tell us when it comes to these subjects of dating and relationships and picking the pieces back up and those sorts of things, what is one thing that you think every single mom should know? Well, if you're a single mom, um, because you went through a divorce, um, you need to know that although the enemy would like to tell you that because you went through a divorce, your life will never be as good as it could have been, or your life, you know, is, is not going to be what you wished it would have been. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And the truth is it could be the very setup for your best, best life ever. And so, um, provided you use this time to pivot, um, you could experience things far greater than you would have ever believed for in your past. And so I want you to know that God is for you and that all good and precious gifts are from him and that he does want to give you more than you could ask, think, or even imagine, and that it's real. There are real good godly men that can love you with all of your mess and that God can send you when the season is right. So it's worth waiting for. Thank you so much. That just that spoke to my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I want to know, Jen, if you would just as we wrap up here, tell us how we can connect with you, the One M Project, all the things that you're involved with. You can connect with me through uh, the website or on Instagram or Facebook. But the website for the ministry that God's called me to is the One. So it's the number one letter M Project dot org. Um, and that's all of the ministry information. And then, or you can just find me on Instagram or Facebook at Jen Debro. Um, last name is D-E-B-R-O-T. Talking to Jen has really helped me to understand the places where I may be not as tough on my boundaries or places where I need to be more committed to living the life that God has for me first over seeking out a committed relationship. So If you're in that spot too, I hope you're not beating yourself up because I know I have that tendency and God has just shown me over and over and over again where he is in this. He's right here with me and that even when I mess up, I can pick it up and start again. As always, if you have questions, if you have feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can jump onto agapemoms.com. That's A-G-A-P-E moms.com. Or I'd love to connect with you on social media, Facebook, Instagram, at agapemoms. And I look forward to having you with me next time.